to Quiz Play Season 2, Episode 6. I'm your host for this episode. My name is Ruben, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark. Hello! And Douglas. Hi, hey. Thanks for having me be on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, so... I know we say this most episodes, but I was actually really worried we weren't going to have anything to talk about um, because nothing happened right up until yesterday or a couple of days ago, wasn't it? Like um, it was only a couple of days ago that like big news bits came out. So we've been blessed by the games industry once more. So we'll start with some quickfire news. Um, the first one, um, which is an interesting thing because we don't often hear this company being involved with this sort of activity. Sony has been on a spending spree. They bought like they bought Housemark, uh, they bought Nix's software, and there's also heavy rumors that they're buying Bluepoint Studios as well. Like this is Xbox's thing normally, right? Um, yeah, yeah I mean they they obviously have bought devs in the past, you know, Insomniac, Naughty Dog, the likes, but it's not something they've done for a while, and I feel like it's maybe something they only tend to do. When, when they, they absolutely, absolutely have to, I think they're a bit more like a bit, a bit like Nintendo in that regard. In that you know, they'll buy a studio if they are forced into it, but they'd rather just work closely with studios. Yep, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I'm, I must admit, I'm not familiar with Nix's software, uh, but it's interesting. Like the two that are here, Housemark and Bluepoint, because. Housemark made Returnal. Yeah, and they've which... kind of made a lot of uh, PlayStation-exclusive games in the past as well, I think. So that one obviously makes perfect sense. But Bluepoint's the one that's odd for me, because the, the notable games I can think of from Bluepoint were the Shadow of the Colossus remake and the Demon Souls remake. Yes, both of which, though, were Sony... Yeah. yeah. They're both Sony exclusive, it's just it's an odd choice. Well, I mean, like you said, Nix is software you're not familiar with, but I think that's because they don't really make stuff. They are, they, it looks like, I, as far as I understand, they're the software house that have ported the recent big PlayStation 4 releases to PC. So the release of um, uh, Horizon, for example, for PC. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense now I know that. Um because there seems to be this trend that Sony have at the moment with porting their big games to PC. Um, and they've, and uh, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've done quite well, right? The, the PC ports, yeah. the PlayStation titles in terms of sales. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I guess it's quite a big market that they haven't tapped into before. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a good way of them getting the games out to a market that doesn't necessarily directly compete with the PlayStation. It's true. Um, but, okay, I'm going to pose something to you to you both here. Okay. Who would you like Sony to buy? Oh. <laughs> That's put me on the spot a little bit. Um, Sorry, like, this wasn't on the running order, by the way. Like, I'm just throwing something completely throwing fucking random out there. Out there. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, that's a good question. I mean, I'm not always a big fan of the 
the kind of main console manufacturers buying developers because it it does it limits choice in the market to an extent. Um, I mean, it, you know, when it when it's someone like Housemark or Bluepoint who pretty much exclusively only made PlayStation games anyway, that's kind of okay. Um, but you know, I'd hate to see the likes of Sony buying, I don't know, Konami or Capcom or one of those bigger developers. But I think maybe you know Sony could do could could do well with uh, kind of one or two of the smaller sort of indie developers. I mean, that'd be an interesting step forward. That would be that would be very interesting. I think I think PlayStation has a lot of um, hesitation with indie developers. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's like, I think it could be like a quality control thing. I think like a lot of indie games, they touch on subjects that they may not feel comfortable with, maybe. I don't know. Um, so maybe there's that aspect. But that would be interesting. I think that'd be, that's a really good good point. Like so, like a double A yeah. sort of indie developer. Because like, I thought it would be like, like, could you, like, could you imagine if they bought like, say, if they... Uh, acquired Supergiant, Hades. Oh god, that'd be great. That'd be interesting. Um, I mean, I'm. I think I'm along the same lines as Mark. I'm. I'm quite happy to not have the big three owning studios. I'm quite happy with the. I mean, it's very rare I give this much of a pra- this much praise to them, to be honest. But I'm kind of happy with the way that Nintendo does it, in which they don't really have first party acquisitions. They have second party developers. Yeah that are kind of uh, allied with them, like Camelot, for instance, uh, rather than acquiring studios. I think I much prefer it Nintendo's way business model. Um, yeah, and, you know, Nintendo really only do it when, you know, because there was, who was it they, they acquired recently? And it sounds like the, the reason that they acquired them was because somebody else was going to buy them and they, they wanted to keep them developing exclusively for them. Was, was it the Xenoblade developer that I've lost the name of off the top of my head? Monolith, no. Yeah. No, it was someone much more recent than that, like like in the last year or so, and I can't remember who it was. But the rumor was that they they were kind of forced into it because it sounded like somebody else was gonna was gonna buy them. It just makes off, good off sense. Head, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, generally speaking, yeah, Nintendo aren't aren't huge on sort of acquiring. Hmm. software houses i think that that's i mean like going back to the point of like the indie developers i think because it's a lot easier to get in with nintendo as an indie developer than just from a price point of view more than anything and i think we're gonna talk about that aren't we um because i mean the prices for playstation and to get onto the playstations oh god yeah no um horrendous in comparison i mean that's a perfect i mean Sorry to... Uh, no, please. Uh, actually, you, you finished, Douglas, actually, your point. Oh, no. Oh, I was, I was practically done. Um, just that I think, like, Nintendo, it's, it's a lot... It's still expensive, but not nearly as expensive. It's actually achievable to actually get onto that market as an indie developer rather than going with PlayStation. I mean, because, like, PlayStation's, like, in the thousands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the perfect segue, really, into um, a story that came out over the past... I want to say it's the past week, wasn't it? Mm. Um that a indie developer um, took to Twitter to burn some bridges in, quite honestly, like uh, you both know me, I love burning a good bridge. bridge. And And, um, um, they took to Twitter for a 
multi-tweet thread about Sony's treatment of indie games on the PlayStation Store. I mean, they didn't specifically say Sony or PlayStation, but I think it's fairly obvious from the context and the way in which they describe the platform holders that they are, in fact, talking about Sony and PlayStation. Yeah, they, they, they were... They... They were so they were I think they were so on the nose that they missed the face sort of thing. They were it was so obvious who they were talking about. So obvious. Um but then not only did they step forward, but also other developers then stepped forward after that thread saying, Yeah, this is what it's like. Um and I don't it it it, it seems odd um it seems odd to me that for a forward thinking mostly company like, like sony, sony in terms of sony, sony community, computer, computer entertainment at least mm. their online stuff like, like their stores mm. and things, things like, like that, that are not the best are they i mean they're not like nintendo eShop bad but nintendo eShop suffers more from user interface and mm. usability rather than uh what's on there but like uh, Please correct me if I'm wrong on these figures because I, I'm I'm working from memory on this, but isn't it like ten thousand dollars or something like that to get advertised on the store oh, for Sony? What, what to go in as an indie developer to actually put your product on there? Yeah. Oh no, it's not. It's nowhere near that. Um, it's only it's about four hundred quid. No. What he, what he went on to say though was that in order to be featured on the store. You need to spend a very reasonable minimum of twenty-five thousand US dollars, and then thirty percent of your subsequent earnings. Oh, for PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally, That's yeah. the stupid figure. Ah, ah, for PlayStation. Yes. Yeah, it's horrendous. I think even even putting it on store is about two to four grand. So essentially, that makes it unviable. Yeah, really. For some indie studios, completely unviable. Um, and then once you factor in things such as um. As the as as that tweet thread actually went into the fact that Sony restricts price changes hmm. and sale additions and all sorts of things, they essentially, you, you, if you do manage to hmm. rip, like pony up the money to be on their store, you essentially lose a dramatic amount of control over how your game is sold and how much, much for, for etc., uh, which just doesn't exist on other platforms. Like Steam, I think, is a lot more flexible. Um, yeah, Steam, Steam let the developers yeah. do pretty much whatever they want. Yeah. And they still um, came through their platform, as far as I understand. Yeah, Steam's which, quite accessible, which is great. But also, obviously, we need to factor in here that Steam has a lot more shovelware, yeah. asset flips, and just terrible games than Sony do. I mean, Sony does have Life of Black, Drag- uh, Life of Black Tiger, um, so they're not completely... And also anything by, um... I mean, also. Oh shit! That that really shitty developer. Um... I've lost my train of thought. Yeah. I did not expect. I'm so glad I wasn't taking a drink of water. I just spat it out. Anything by that shitty developer, right? So, not who you meant. Oh, dear. Uh, it's, it's not, <laughs> but I'll take that as the answer. That's amazing. Um, I mean, but it is oh, concerning. 
I mean, to play devil's advocate as well, to play devil's advocate, looking at, I suppose, on the opposite side, why the price for PlayStation is so high, it's a quality control thing. I think, like, with the with indie developers, to get that kind of cash to be able to do that, you would have to have released a title, it would get popular enough to raise some income, and you're probably using other things like Kickstarter, Patreon, whatever, um, and then maybe do a remaster or whatever, and then you get enough money to go and do it. So I can I can see it as a method of controlling shovelware because the game would be quite polished at that point, in theory. If that makes sense at all. I mean it's I mean that's true. And if if we're and if we're honest about it, although the PlayStation store does have some right fucking shit on it. Mm. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. <laughs> there's um there's a lot although, less shit. That, at least that was removed for a, a significant period of time. Mm. Precisely. It's mm. back now, though, so we can use it again. Um, we can use it as an example. But um, it has a lot less shit on it than Steam. Mm. And and Nintendo eShop as well. Nintendo <laughs> eShop has some piles of shite on it as well. <laughs> yes, um, yes, it does. So, yeah, I think you may be right. I think quality control does come into it. Mm. I mean, like, um, and Project Red, I mean, let's use Project Red since we're, we're on that boat. Um I mean, they're a big company. They're a big company. They they have cash to use to get that advertisement. Like Cyberpunk, it, it wasn't... The concept was great. It's just the execution wasn't wonderful. Um, and like a, like a first-time game developer, a first-time indie developer, you're not going to have that money. It's not, hmm. not going to happen. Unless you're very I mean, lucky. I mean, like... Let's, let's, let, let's not kind of... Um obfuscate the facts though like mm. cyberpunk uh 2077 regardless of the issues it sold ludicrously well yes it did so not only did the company don't know only did cdpr already have the money to put it onto the playstation store they've now got even more money than when they started so mm. it's it, it's just unfortunate that as that a um that a kind of console manufacturer like sony because the playstation brand is incredibly strong regardless of how few people have managed to get a ps5 the store is still not showing everything that the industry is doing which i know a lot of playstation fans won't mind sure but it means they're you could argue they're losing money this way but are they though it's it's it Without knowing all of the figures in the games industry, it's impossible to know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing for Sony. Mm. It just looks bad. That's all. Speaking of looking bad. Mm. <laughs> Dead space. Mm. Um, I think it's just it's one of those topics, isn't it, where you're just to, just to process it, you know, because it's... Um... There's so many ways to look at it. There's so many ways to look at it. Like, okay, yeah, it's it's like that is a ludicrous amount of money to spend, but there is a quality control aspect. But if you are a big company and you're still going to get a good income, as Cyberpunk has proven, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I do think though. Oh, go on, sorry, please. But the games industry is going to games industry. Yeah. And that's uh, one, uh, I think, the first occasion of the um, anti-capitalist podcast uh, today. So thank you for listening. Um, so back to the point I just raised, though. Mm. Dead space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. EA 
you fucking charlatans. <laughs> so, for those who aren't familiar with the Dead Space story, and you should be if you're not, um, and by the way, here comes the second point of the anti-capitalist podcast. Um, EA... Uh, well, the, the, the company, I think it was one of the EA subsidiaries that then became Visceral Games, made the first Dead Space game, okay. which, for a horror game, or especially a new horror game entering the market at the time it did, did quite well. We can't, we can't deny that. Because it was well entering enough, the market... Well enough to warrant a sequel. Precisely. It was good enough to warrant a sequel, and it was entering a market that was already populated by quite a few really good horror franchises. Silent Hill, Resident Evil, etc. So, Death Space did well. Death Space 2, also published by EA, did also reasonably well, or at least well enough to create a sequel. Which EA then fucked entirely by forcing microtransactions and co-op play into a game that didn't need either of those things. Um, And then subsequently, due to the poor reception and poor sales of Dead Space 3, for good fucking reason, then closed down Visceral Games, killing Dead Space entirely. And now, EA have decided in their infinite fucking wisdom to create this to, to create a kind of furore around reviving a series um which they've already claimed i think i'm right here is going to be a remake a reboot of the series um inspired by resident evil 2's success okay well i mean this is the rumor i all all that's been announced specifically is that EA are reviving a series that will be announced during its upcoming EA presentation towards the end of July. The rumour is that it's going to be a new Dead Space game, and the rumour is that that Dead Space game is going to be a remake. Okay, so let's suppose this rumour is true. How fucking dare you, EA? How absolutely fucking dare you um i i I want to say i'm surprised though but i am not this is ea's mo down to a fucking t um because not only like i i heard it best uh i don't know whether either of you watch james stephanie sterling um otherwise known as jim sterling um Steph, um, I would really recommend the Dream Inquisition, by the way. Um, Steph put it fantastically when they said that the 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 worst thing that the worst thing about this is that EA are expecting applause for it, and that is disgusting, basically, because they destroyed the franchise killed the developer and now they're like oh be excited about this thing that we're bringing back no fuck you ea and then the second thing which is even more fun is they can't even have an original fucking idea they're copying capcom and sure it worked for capcom the resident evil 2 remake is easily one of the best remakes i've ever played hands down yeah it's really good but that doesn't mean ea is talented enough to pull it off and 
this is either what this is going to result in. Sorry, I'm going on a massive fucking rant about this. You are on a big old rant here. (laughs) What what this is going to result in is either A, it's going to sell really well, spark another franchise that EA does not... uh, Well, spark a revitalization of the franchise that EA doesn't fucking deserve and EA will fuck up again because EA. Or two, it won't sell very well and EA will be just like, well, we were clearly right to shut down the franchise. There is no winning here. It's fucked if it does, it's fucked if it doesn't. Like, Dead Space is fucked either way. But EA kind of playing the puppet master and marionetting the corpse of it isn't a good look. <laughs> rant done. Your, your, your rant here is... It, it's one of your best, Rubens. I have to say. I, do, I, I, I like it, the rant. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, I have to say, I don't... I don't necessarily agree with you on all points. I think I think the EA of today is very different to the EA of 10 years ago when they shut down the Dead Space franchise. And I think they operate differently to how they did back then as well. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on this revival. However... If they fuck it up again, that is it for Dead Space, I think. I think there's a huge potential for fucking it up, unfortunately. I think, like, because Resident Evil 2, I mean, that, I mean, even as a PS1 game, that was great. It was a really good game. Um, and Dead Space 2 was, meh, it was, yeah, it was okay. Um, not as memorable as Resident Evil 2. So if they're trying to do it in that similar style and hoping for the same thing to magically manifest, I, I, eh. <laughs> good luck with that. I mean, I hope it's successful. Yeah. I loved the first Dead Space game. I really hope that if it is a remake, that it's successful. I also really hope if it's actually genuinely a Dead Space 4 and a proper sequel, it's really successful. I, Either way, I want a really good Dead Space game. Yeah. I mean, fingers crossed, and then they pull it off. They pull it out of the bag. Definitely. Yeah. You know, they might do. Yeah. Uh, but if they don't, I think the franchise will be dead. Probably dead. It's a lot of pressure, isn't it? I mean, because if they if they really screw this up or screw, you kind of screw the pooch on this, um, you're right. I think that's the, the it's that's it. <laughs> it's hard to come back from that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Two massive failures in a row. And uh, the franchise will be gone. Yeah. Oh dear. I'm so beautiful. I'm so I'm so beautiful. No, that wasn't <laughs> you are beautiful. Yeah. Shush. Um. I'm so glad that there is someone more level-headed and more optimistic <laughs> about how this could turn out. Um, because, oh boy, uh, I am not, I am not, I do not have any hope for this at all as an idea. I'm... Something that did come up, oh. though, over the last week or so, uh, that I knew would please you, Mark, specifically. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a sequel to Control. I mean, I'm not surprised there's going to be a sequel to Control. It did That's really great well. Uh, a lot of people loved it. It won a lot of Game of the War, Game of the War, Game of the Year awards. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm really happy that there's going to be a sequel. I'm also really intrigued by the idea of this co-op multiplayer spin-off because I think that's a really interesting idea. And I think the fact that they are making that a separate thing to the actual Control sequel is a good idea because you know not every game necessarily needs to have a multiplayer mode, but 
uh, as a separate entity, I can see a lot of potential in a co-op multiplayer game in that in that universe and in that world. I'd be interested to see how these turn out. I mean, I've not played Control yet. I know that you've recommended it to me, but it's it's on a list of a very long list. Um, I will get well, to it. Well, it was both a PS Plus game and I believe it's on Game Pass, so there's it's, it's yeah. definitely very very accessible. Uh, you know, it's a good a, it's a good game. I, I'm looking forward to seeing the sequel definitely and what they do with that. I mean, I have it. I just haven't played it yet. Um. I'm less fussed with the co-op multiplayer thing, just because I've got so many multiplayer games I'm playing at the <laughs> there moment. There are a lot of, there is a lot of co-op multiplayer games out that coming in the next few months as well. But you know, I mean, they've not shown anything. They've not really announced much for it. I think this is probably a good year or two years away anyway. So you know, we've got we've got a while to get through some of those other co-op games first. Well, and that well, that's only the ones that have an end. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be. I, I do not know how long I'm going to be playing Fortnite for, but clearly it's a thing that I'm. I do now. So, and whoever saw that coming? No one. Literally, no, no one. <laughs> um, we could be. We could be having a very different conversation right now. Had uh, had they not added Beast Boy as a character to Fortnite? Oh yeah, true. That was the turning point. That was the point of no return for me. Um, <laughs> and there's nothing I could do. Um, but while we're talking about c- concurrent games, uh, like never-ending games, Final Fantasy fourteen broke a incredible milestone recently in which it broke the concurrent Steam record without any new content being released. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, I saw that. It's great news. Yeah, um, I mean, we know why this is. A very, very popular World of Warcraft player on YouTube uh, started playing fourteen and brought with them their fan base. So we literally saw a huge jump in Final Fantasy fourteen players. Well, um, certainly explain it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not going to be obviously the only factor, but it was definitely a, consider- a considerable factor in it. Um, but this is great for the game. Um, because the, I think the last thing we had patch-wise just added some more things to the Save the Queen quest line, side quests, um, and then a few balance changes and a bit of i don't think there's even extra story um but like we're now in a kind of lull in final fantasy 14 if you are a regular player mm-hmm. in which there's now no new content until endwalker uh which is in november so to see the number of players jump up this much is just fantastic to see for a game that really does deserve it hmm. yes and that you know that endwalker is only four months away now it's not long I can't fucking wait. Um, and like, spoiler for anyone who listens to the podcast, the end, the post Endwalker podcast. You might as well just write <laughs> that off if you're not interested in fourteen. You might as well just not. Maybe we should just do a Final Fantasy fourteen Endwalker special. A spoiler cast. Yes, <laughs> let's do that. That'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, congratulations to the Square Enix team for that. Um, as a final couple of things for the quick fire news. Uh, firstly, Nintendo have added more courses and items to that Mario Kart Live augmented reality game thing, including Donkey Kong. I think isn't one of the characters they've added. I think so. Yeah, I'm. I I really want to play this. <laughs> it's I've never played it. It's such an interesting idea. 
Yeah. yeah. Never played it. And I have seen that quite a few places have been selling it sporadically at like discounted prices, so I'm sort of tempted to, to, to buy it. Just just have a little Mario Kart that I can drive around with my Switch. <laughs> it's like I this 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 project, this AR Mario Kart Live thing, has so much more longevity than I expected from it. Because mm-hmm. I expected that initial release, then nothing more. So yeah. for them to add DLC, it, I like it. I like the fact that something like this has longevity, but it just makes me think, just add more shit to Mario Kart 8 mm. Deluxe. <laughs> for fuck's yeah. sake, Nintendo, give us just more courses. That's Just add two new cups, eight new courses, and some of them could be retro. I don't care. Just add more shit to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah, I think if they were going to do that, they would have done that by now. But mind you, saying that they released an online mode for Super Mario Party three years after it came out. So who am I to <laughs> who am I to have an opinion on this? Yeah, who who the fuck knows what Nintendo are going to do next? Um, let's be honest. Who 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 knows? Um, but I'd like, love for them to release some more carts though for the AR thing, like a choice of some other riders, like Peach or Yoshi or. Donkey Kong or some of the other riders to have their own actual physical carts to play with the game. That would be pretty cool. They probably will, you know. Well, let's see what they release sort of November time then, I guess. Because, like, didn't Luigi, the, the, the Luigi one come out, like, four or five I... months after the original? No, I thought they came out at about the same time, but maybe I'm just remembering. I might be misremembering too. Like, the problem with Nintendo news is it all kind of blends into one. Um, so, the, the final bit is possibly one of the most frustrating bits of news, I think, on this entire fucking list. The The rumours about the Switch Pro turned out to be exaggerated. Yes, um, yeah, somewhat. Nintendo have announced that the latest addition to the Nintendo Switch family is the OLED model um, that features an OLED screen, more internal storage, a LAN, a, a LAN setup in the dock, a better kickstand, better audio, but otherwise no other improvements. I... I was, yeah, I I think there's kind of, there are some people that are obviously very frustrated by the fact that this doesn't include a new chipset and, you know, better processing or 4K output or whatever. Um, you know, and I was initially a little bit disappointed as well. And, you know, part of that was because, you know, unfortunately you do sometimes get a little bit embroiled in that whole hype train thing um, with rumours and you're like, oh, this would be great, this would be great. But it does seem like they've, whether, you know, quite often with these rumours there's no smoke without fire. So either they were planning to to make this improvement and then decided at some point or possibly even quite last minute to go actually no. And a lot of that could well be to do with the whole uh, shortage there is with semiconductor, you know, uh, processor uh, fabrication stuff at the moment. Whereas at least sticking with their known chipset, they probably have a lot less competition with access to it. 
Um, or it could be that there is still yet another revision to come in six months to a year's time that will include that rumoured new chipset. Who knows? Uh, but what we've got right now is a great choice for people that play handheld more than they play docks. You know, I'm sure that 7-inch OLED screen, you know, it's nearly a 4-inch bigger than the existing Switch screen. I'm sure, you know, it might be the same resolution, but OLED brings a lot of other benefits. Better colours, better blacks, um, that you just don't get with a similarly sized and specced LED screen. I mean... The thing, when I heard about the, the, the things that have improved on the OLED model, the first thing that I was just like, okay, was the storage. Mm-hmm. Double yeah. internal storage. Holy fuck. That is actually quite a good call. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still pretty miserly amount of storage to be included. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it's better than the Switch was. Mm-hmm. Yes. For yeah, sure. I think, I, you know... Flash prices have come down a lot, even in the last four years. I think they could have taken that to 128 gig. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think they probably should have done. But, mm. you know, 64 is still better than 32. Sure. Um, you know, the like, I won't be getting this. Don't see the point. Um, because it's not... Because I play mostly docked. Mm-hmm. So for me to get, for me to commit to a console that's mostly handheld, this is the reason I didn't get the Switch Lite either, despite the fact I fucking love that kind of mint aqua colour. Love it. But I'm not going to, because I don't really play handheld, I play docked. The most insulting thing about the Switch OLED model, for me personally, is the fact that they have not improved the fucking tech in the fucking Joy-Cons. Mm. So therefore, they're still going to have drift and they're still going to be, quite honestly, although impressive somewhat technologically, pieces of shit. shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, I am so, I'm so angry with Nintendo about Mm. the Joy-Cons. I still am and still will be. It is really annoying. I, my guess is that they didn't do that because although they've somewhat admitted that there is a problem with them, like to go, we've improved the, the Joy-Cons and removed the, 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 the Joy-Con drift issue. It's like they're really publicly going, we've had a problem. And then you're going to get everyone going, oh, they've had a problem this whole time. We're going to sue them. We all want replacement Joy-Cons. So, as shitty as it is, I can see why they haven't publicly announced that they actually do have a problem in such a loud way. Well, no, they've straight up denied that it's a problem. Exactly. And there's so many people Um, on social media that are opening up their Joy-Cons just trying to fix the drift issue. (laughs) Well, yeah, I've I've got a friend who's fixed uh, their Joy-Cons, and I'm going to be, I think, next week um, sending my Joy-Cons to them to repair them for me. I did mine um, last month. Yeah, it's it's horrible. <laughs> because like, I, I feel like I feel like I'm in the minority because I own two sets of Joy Cons and I have not had a driven problem with any of them. That's so lucky. But, but I you think are I've been so incredibly lucky. lucky. Although I do, I will admit, I'm a 
Majority of the time I play docked, and when I play docked, I almost exclusively use my Pro controller, so it could well be just that my Joy-Cons have not seen a huge amount of use. Mm. Um, but yeah, Joy-Con drift, just get the fuck out with that. Um, and also, the Switch is having other problems at the moment, so like downloads. Holy fuck are the downloads shite at the moment. Um which which messed with my stream today, like time of recording, uh, which is have fun. they still not fixed that issue? Uh, apparently they did, but it doesn't appear to have done that well. Um, or it doesn't appear to have fixed the issue entirely. I can download; it's just the downloads take an inordinate amount of time. Um, so that's it for quickfire news. Um, unless uh, Douglas, you have anything about the. Oh, LED model? No, not really. I'm, I'm very, I feel very met about the whole thing, to be honest. Um, it's probably not something I'm going to get when it comes out. Um, I mean, I think if someone's coming, someone new into their first Switch, okay, great. You know, hey, these are great features for someone who's not had one before. Um, but yeah, no. And I play mine in handheld mode I, I, majority of the time. And I, I, don't, I don't really see the appeal. Those, 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 those white Joy-Cons are pretty gorgeous. Oh, they are very pretty, yeah. They are, from cosmetic viewpoint, cosmetic viewpoint, they are really good. But we'll see. I mean, it releases on October 8th, which is the same day as Metroid Dread. Mm. Um, so, that's also a thing. Uh, I'm amazed they've not done or announced a bundle for that, actually. That, that seems like a very Nintendo thing, especially since they're white. And obviously the ME robots are white as well. You'd think... Or at um, least the one that they've primarily um, promoted. Promoted has been white, yes. They do match up quite closely. Um, but that's it for Quickfire News. So I think it's time to move on to everyone's favourite segment, Simply the Guest. You're Simply the Guest. So, Douglas, this is the segment, as you know, where we get to know our guest a little bit, so that obviously means you. Oh, dear. Uh, So, sorry about that. (laughs) No, it's fine. (laughs) Um, So, uh, like, just a few few questions for you, just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Um, So, what uh, was your very first video game? My very first video game? So, okay, so back in the day, so my mum got me into gaming. My mum is a gamer. Um... And she, we first started off with Commodore and the Spectrum back in the day. So that was fun. And my first, very first memory of, of an actual console where I was playing it quite a lot was the NES. So it was like the Mario Duck Hunt combo. Classic. Yeah, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, the, that, yeah. So, you know, both games were on one cartridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my very first memory. So, I mean controversial and this may divide our audience even oh sure which was your favorite out of those two mario or duck hunt ah mario mario and the love still continues it's no it's no competition surely it's it's gotta be mario (laughs) i mean sure mario is iconic so I, i i don't think even i would disagree even if i do have a soft spot for duck hunt in smash brothers but that's by the by um so bouncing off of that then, um, what what is your favorite gaming memory? 
Oh, um, I've got a couple. Got a couple gaming memories. I, that was quite a good question because I didn't think because there was you know there was quite a few to pick from. Um, the first gaming memory that pops to mind was my mum is really into. She was really into Streets of Rage back in the day, for the Mega Drive. And uh, well, Reuben is a is a fellow Streets of Rage. Player, oh right? well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyond a shadow. <laughs> um. So that was my favorite memory. That's one of my favorite memories and many memories around that kind of playing games with my mom and my, my sister and that kind of thing when I was growing up. Um, but I suppose, like, moving forward, Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII, when that came out for the PS1, that was a great gaming memory. I literally lost days to that. You and me both. Lost days. Yeah, it was, it just, it was just great. And it was a massive turning point in the series. I, I lost days to watching my brother play that, and there were very few things that could get me and my brother in the same room and agree and enjoying the same thing at the same time, and that was one of them. That's really weird. Like that was um, that is actually you know, Final Fantasy VII was a really great kind of bonding moment for me and my sister because my sister was quite young at the time, and she'd come in and watch me play the game. Weirdly enough, um, especially things like chocobo racing stuff like that. Um, but it was something that we just ended up doing until the end of the game, until we finally beat it. Yeah. That was really cool. Conversely, mm. and similarly to you two, but oppositionally to you two, I also have memories of My Little Brother and Final Fantasy VII in that I reached the Northern Crater, which, as anyone who has played the game will know, is on the third disc. Mm-hmm. Only for my little brother to wipe my memory card. <gasps> oh, so no. I have no, oppositional no. memories no. of my brother and Final Fantasy VII. Um, so I lost days to it and then lost days again because my entire save got wiped. Um, oh no. There are, certain th- there are certain things you never forgive. Um, Connor, you shithead. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, if, wow, I'm on a warpath today. Um, if it helps, so, my, uh, my sister, she deleted my Castlevania Sympathy of the Knights save. For shits and giggles. Oh no, oh, no, no, no. Because that game is a lot longer than people think it's going to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Good times. Oh, absolutely beautiful game, though. Mm. Um, so, um, what is your favourite game or game series? Oh, that's a hard one because there's so many. Um, I suppose the ones that come to mind, Zelda and Final Fantasy series, both of those. And I, I literally have body art. <laughs> to those series so yeah i would say those are my two top series but they're a load they're a load to be honest i mean i like um a lot of the older style series like lunar i like breath of fire i liked the mana series things like that um but i would say those are the two that come to mind skyrim as well i enjoyed the skyrim series or elder scroll excuse me that's that's a game skyrim that i have tried and just doesn't gel with me um, despite on paper it being everything that I would like in a game, sure. Just executionally, it doesn't it doesn't gel with me. But also, one thing I've noticed, Mark, you've you probably noticed this as well. Zelda's come up a lot with that question. Zelda does come up a lot. I think Zelda seems it's to just be one of those games. It's just mm. beloved. I think mm. it's mm. a universally loved series, um, and it's a joy. Every <laughs> single time I hear someone say Zelda as an answer to that question, I'm just like, yeah, Zelda's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which which Zelda title would you say was your favorite? Oh right, okay. So this is the whole discussion in itself. Um, okay, so my favorite. Mm, um, I I liked Twilight Princess. I did like Twilight because it was darker. I really liked that. I like I liked that it was kind of a bit darker than the usual ones. But I like the charm of Wind Waker as well. I thought Wind Waker mm-hmm. was good. I really loved the ch- how charming it was. Um, I I really like Breath of the Wild. I really like Breath of the Wild. Like the weapon durability system. Okay, it was a choice, sure. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a good game overall. And you know, for for an introductory title for the Switch, it was fantastic. And the open world aspect in that game is pretty good. You know, it's phenomenal. I mean, you're not going to find any agreement from Ruben on almost any of those points when it comes to Breath of the Wild, but I'm with you on a lot of it, so... Yes, Breath of the Wild is the big divider, I think, in the podcast. Um, And the one that people always know about me. It's like almost as if it's my calling card that people know in advance. Um, But I 100% agree on Twilight Princess. Yeah, Yeah, it's an amazing game absolutely incredible game and also midna is possibly possibly, possibly my, my favorite, favorite companion, companion oh yeah that links had full stop yeah definitely um, such a such a such a fantastic character um so as one last question for you sure what is your most anticipated release Ooh, um, i'm very looking forward to tales of arise coming out i'm a massive fan of the tales of this series so Tales of Arise that's coming out, I'm looking forward to that. And also when they actually finally release the new Skyrim. That's going to be about 10 years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they announced that far too early. Yeah. Oh, and Final Fantasy Part 2. Final Fantasy Remake Part 2. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay, I've got something to say on this one. Um... I am more excited about Final Fantasy Remake Part 2 than I was about Part 1, than I was about Intergrade, than I probably ever will be about any game from Square Enix. Outside of Neo, The World Ends With You, but that's a completely different issue. Um, because you get to, you'll get you finally get to play as Red 13. That's all I wanted from the remake. Um, Red 13 is unapologetically my favourite my favorite character in Final Fantasy 7. Um, and he's a very good boy. Um, he is the best boy. He is the best boy. He's the best boy, definitely, without a doubt. Um, um I just want to play as him. That's all I want. Um, I, I am holding. <sighs> My thing with Seven Remake is I didn't really enjoy it, and I think Mark, you didn't really enjoy it either. No, I really loved Seven Remake. Who is it I know who didn't really enjoy it? Probably a lot of people. Um, But I desperately want them to stick the landing on it. Mm. I really do. Um, I'm I'm hoping that now they're past the whole weird ending to Seven, that they just now let it follow whatever slightly different story path it's going to take. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that, like the timeline and everything. That'll be quite interesting. But I'm hoping, like from this point onwards, it just plays out as a almost like a what if this these two or three things were slightly different and how that how that changes the story. Bearing in mind, 
the original still exists and is perfectly playable in every modern system. So an exact like-for-like remake isn't necessary. So the fact that they are doing something a bit different with the story doesn't erase the original and the original is still perfectly playable on all modern systems. So great. Best of both worlds. Yep. And that's the, that's the same philosophy I had with Resident Evil 2 as well. Um, because when the Resident Evil 2 remake was announced, I was just like, oh my god, I'm so excited for this. I love Resident Evil 2. It's my favourite game of all time. But also, there was a part of me that was just like, what if they fuck this up? Um, luckily, they didn't. They really fucking stuck the landing on that remake. Um, but even if they didn't, the original still exists. Yeah, I think there's a fine line between them doing a remake like that and fucking it up and the original being very, very difficult to get hold of and play versus them doing the same thing and fucking it up, but it's okay because actually the original is quite accessible and available on all modern platforms. Mm. Um, you know, you could look at, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Resident Evil 2 is actually a good example because the original Resident Evil 2 it's not so easy to play on any of the modern or current platforms. Mm. So if they had really fucked that up, that remake, if they have really fucked that up, that would have been much worse than if they'd have just made the original Resident Evil 2 available on current platforms. True, I'm still holding out hope they will. Like they'll, like they'll release a kind of PS1 Resident Evil collection. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, that'd be really cool. I would buy that fucking immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be like, I don't know. I don't know how many times I've bought Resident Evil 2 now. Because um, I own it. I think I own, I own it in this house in five different ways. That's amazing. <laughs> um, because it's my favourite game of all time. So yeah. I've just committed to being a lunatic about it. Um, but, yeah. I, I And also, I, I, sh- I should jump back to this as well. Tales will rise, hundred percent with you. Mm. Yeah, no, it just looks it, it just looks amazing so far. Yeah, definitely. And I can confirm that it is. Yes, like, from what I played yes. in the preview, it is fantastic. <laughs> I'm very envious, but in such a great way for you. <laughs> you know, that's, um, it's, yeah. That was one of those few occasions um, in what I do, um, in which I was it, I was so. I felt so privileged to do what I do. Mm-hmm. Was when Bando and Emko were just like, you can preview this. And I was just like, for me? Oh my um, goodness. But uh, to, to round off, I'll simply the guest segment. Uh, Douglas, tell us a little bit more about you. Prom- uh, like, is there anything you want to promote? Is there anything you want to play? Oh. Is there anything that you oh. do? That's oh, nice. uh, okay, yeah. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, so um, I'm I'm writing I'm writing some books at the moment. Um, they're near publication, um, so that's cool. Um, and I'm working on I'm working on two games at the moment. So yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. So you know when they're released, if people would love like to look at that, that'd be that'd be very much appreciated. And how can people find you or the games or the books? Um, at the moment, it's on Twitter mainly. I just advertise stuff on Twitter. Um, one game I, I openly talk about on Twitter, so I show like game devlogs and stuff like that, and kind of the process of the game. The other game I can't actually talk that much about. I can give kind of like a general description about it. Um, 
so that that's not ready for release yet. So there's a whole whole plan with that one. Um, for the one that I'm showing on Twitter and things like that, it's I mean it's far from done. It's far from done. But it'll probably I'll just advertise on Twitter really, and I'll probably set up kind of more things around it, like a YouTube channel and a separate web page, just to kind of go through more more about it. And like the books and uh, stuff. Oh, sorry. That's just- I was just going to say, what, what, how, what's your Twitter handle? Oh, it's uh, at Calisti777. And the books as well, they'll be advertised. You can probably find them through Amazon. I'm going to be going through Amazon with those. And again, that'll be on the on my Twitter page and stuff. Cool. You should definitely give Douglas a follow. The the, the game, the, the JRPG, the kind of classic JRPG game that you do post about regularly on Twitter, is it, it's looking better every single time you show it. Oh, thank if you, you don't mind thank me saying. So much. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. That's really nice to nice to hear. Uh, and you can definitely see your your inspirations for it, like the classic Final Fantasies, the breath, uh, yeah. the breath of fires. You can yeah. see that kind of classic JRPG influence, and it's 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 um, yeah. As, and well, I already said it. It's looking better each time you show it. So oh, thank I you also want much. to say you make some incredible looking cakes. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, I forgot my about other the hobby. cakes. My other hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was simply the guest. Um, so onto our big news, big topic for this episode. Sony's Sony's state of play that at time of recording was yesterday. It was Thursday. What a fucking state it was! <laughs> it was a fucking state. <laughs> uh, that is the pun that I really wish I'd wrote. <laughs> um, so they showed like th- there there was one key focus which we'll get to last, uh, which was Deathloop. But they showed some third party games, some kind of uh, they, they announced some new games, if I'm not mistaken, that weren't mm-hmm. um, that that weren't announced before. Um, I mean, is there anything out of the uh, out of the list of games that particularly struck either of you? So a, a couple. Um, so the first actually is um, uh, the the VR game Moss. Yeah. With the adorable little mouse. Now, I haven't fully played the original, but I have played the demo, and it is adorable. Mm. Um, and I believe they offered the, the original as part of the, the, the PlayStation stay-at-home promotion they did earlier this year, and I claimed it, but at the time I had lent my PSVR to somebody else. Um, so I would actually really like to play the original, and if it holds up as well as the demo held up, um, I think the sequel does hold quite a lot of promise. I've I've actually I've, I've played it on the VR, and it's really good. It's I mean it's very very cute. It's very charming, um, and I'm I'm also quite interested to see what they're doing with their VR tech, you know, and kind of how they're how they're taking this forward. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing based on the way that they kind of announced and revealed that this that this is actually for the original PSVR and not for mm-hmm. the the next-gen PSVR. And also based on the graphics as well. It clearly is designed to be running on a PS4. If you just see what they do, like, near the time, I mean, maybe, I mean, hopefully they'll have an upgrade. Just to use yeah. the, the new hardware to its fullest extent with it. Just because VR is so, like, resource-heavy. Yeah. yeah. The, the other the other game that really stood out for me was uh, Fist forged mm. in shadow torch which i've written a description here of cyberpunk bunny metroidvania which i think is a perfect and b right up my street your, your description was so perfect i don't have anything to add <laughs> 
I love myself a Metroidvania game, and it looked it looked pretty cool. It looked like a slightly different take on things, uh, sort of really uh, high spec 3D graphics, but on a 2D plane. Um, yeah, quite looking forward to seeing. I think. From what I understand, that, that's been announced for quite a while, and I think was originally due to come out last year. From what I could, from sort of doing a bit of research about it. Um, yes, yeah, so this isn't clearly. Clear. It, clearly, it's. I'd, I'd not heard of it before. It was shown in in the presentation yesterday, though. Um, but when I looked into it, it looked like it had been announced before um, and was due to come out last year. So I, clearly, I, I think it must have been a bit of a victim of the the pandemic. I just I, I remember making fisting jokes last year. Um, because I, um, I, who wouldn't? Because of course, because so. I just I, I distinctly remember making an off off the cuff off offhand joke about there being it it, it being slightly misguided that they would use the name fist for a game that had that many furry characters in it. <laughs> um, and that they're just drawing the ire of like E621 and sites like that um, or rather they're drawing the eyes of E621 which is probably not the best idea mm. in the first place but like the game looks great like out of the entire state of play that was my my standout mm-hmm. I'm quite looking forward to Lost Judgment only because I really like the Yakuza series and it's like a Yakuza spinoff it's a free next-gen upgrade as well, isn't it? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I think it's, it looks really good. It just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It hits all, hits, hits all the points for me. And I've heard such, such good, good things, things about this game in general mm. uh, as a spin-off, because obviously the Yakuza series is very well-known and is very popular. Mm. Um, and there's two spin-offs from that series now, Lost yeah. Judgment and uh, Like a Dragon. Yeah. Um, and both of those have been very well received. So, and there's already been a PS5 upgrade for like a dragon, as far as I'm aware, hmm. or a PS5 release of that game, at least. Um, yeah, I'm, I like Lost Judgment looks great because Yakuza is great. So, I mean, I highly recommend playing the first one if you haven't had a go at it. Um. I mean, the, one of the, the one of the things that there were two, because it was a state, like Marcus put it so succinctly. Two of the things that really got my goat though during this during this uh, broadcast, Hunter's Arena. Oh, what a piece of shit that looked like! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it felt like something from like ten years ago. And so generic looking. Mm. Like um, a very cynical kind of jumping on a bandwagon type way. I mean, it's coming to PS Plus though. That's a that that's an advantage for it. Yeah, yeah. I think it will definitely pick up a bunch of players just by virtue of it being free. Same as you know, destruction. Destruction, All Stars, whatever it was called. Um, I'm presuming. I, I don't know. I never played it. That that had a decent player base just because it was free. Um, I was also one of the few, you know, next gen launch titles for PS5. 
True, that too, because uh, we all we all know there's not many games for the PS5, um, and that's not even a joke. There ain't. Um, Certainly not exclusive, anyway. And the other one was Demon Slayer. Uh, I'm aware of the anime. I'm aware that the anime and manga is popular, and Sega are a developer of a certain pedigree. But that trailer looked like shite. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. I it looked terrible. What was going on? I didn't understand. Just yeah, just I just didn't get it. It didn't really show show the like the full potential of the game in that respect. Or I mean, it was I I, I dare I say it was like again generic. It was like you know an anime based game. I I mean mm. you know like like Naruto. You know if you're looking at anime, you know or anime games. Um, it was yeah, it was all right. It. The thing is, though, like, if they were trying... I mean, anyone who's played the games, I'm assuming, would be... Uh, not played the games. Anyone who's watched the anime or read the manga, obviously all of this stuff would make sense to them. But for anyone who's outside of that thing, this didn't... Like, I've, I've, I have no experience with the Demon Slayer franchise uh, kind of property. It didn't want me... It didn't make me want to play this. That trailer. Um, whereas, like, I've never, like, as a... Example, I've never read or seen the anime of Berserk, but the Berserk game that was released like a couple of years back, I saw the trailer for it and I was like, that looks like a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played a demo of it, I think, at EGX or one of those events. Yeah, I think the thing about that Lost Judgment trailer was it was just two characters bouncing around an enormous and inexplicably empty room. Are you talking about Demon Slayer? Instead of Lost yeah. Judgment. Yeah, sorry. Demon Slayer. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it looked like an arena fighter, but not a great arena fighter. No, it looked janky as hell. Mm. It was. It just wasn't a very good showcase for whatever that game is going to be. Which is a shame, because Sega usually knock things out of the park. Mostly. Uh, with the exception of Sonic. But... Um, their prized possession in many ways yeah their prized possession is the one they treat the shittiest what a surprise um sifu still looks interesting it still doesn't look like it's for me but it looks interesting no. nonetheless I, the the aging mechanic was interesting at least and yeah. something a bit different yeah mm. um it sounds like from from what i've read you can choose to sort of get out of dying by causing your character to age a few years but if you age too much that's it you have to start again oh wow which is like very roguelite mm. in its in its approach yeah i'm trying to think like the last time there was an aging mechanic i mean i remember fable fable had one um but i don't think you died in that if you got too old now that i remember no you you just stopped aging after yeah. a while yeah 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 I mean, but there aren't. Yeah, there aren't many games that introduce an aging mechanic like that. It's not. Mm. Certainly yeah, the, not one that's like part of a risk reward mechanism. I mean, the only examples I can think of of aging in games at all is time skips and stuff like that. Yeah. Or the Sims. Or yeah, the Sims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we all know about your love of the Sims. <laughs> um, so, something I wanted to bring up. And I knew this was going to end in a rant before I even before I even started. Death Stranding. Mm. 
Um, Death Stranding Director's Cut. Um, all of my dislike of Kojima aside, the fact that this is not only next-gen or new-gen, rather, only, it contains new content, and there's a fee for current owners of the game, or buying the game again outright. This game's not old enough to get away with something like that, I don't think. Or shouldn't be. People will, because people fucking love tonguing the anus of fucking Kojima. So people will buy it. But I, I don't think this sets a fantastic precedent, if this continue, if this does well. I, I'm in two minds about this. I've been thinking about this. So absolutely... No questions asked. Microsoft's approach to this has been better in terms of providing next-gen upgrades for free, regardless of whether you had it on the One S, the One X, you're upgrading to the Series S, you're upgrading to the Series X. If there's an upgrade to the base game, you get it for free. No questions asked. That's that for Consumer-wise, that's the best approach. However... Again, taking aside who the developer is or what the game is, if a developer has chosen to put a lot of time and effort into providing a next-gen upgrade that goes beyond just changing a few flags to, say, enable the full capabilities of this new console, and they've added a whole bunch of new content to it, as if it's DLC, why shouldn't they be able to charge for it? And it does sound like, at least with Death Stranding, the upgrade cost for existing owners isn't huge. It's I think it's like £10. And if you don't want to pay for the upgraded version, fine. The original version worked perfectly well on the PlayStation 5. You've still got what you paid for, and it still works on the next-gen console. So, you know, I guess that's where I kind of landed on, on that argument. I guess I, I guess I just would like some consistency more than anything. yeah. I think the, I think the trouble is that Sony have taken the approach that they're going to let each individual developer choose what they want to do, which I guess in an in an open market scenario, I guess is not necessarily the wrong thing. They shouldn't necessarily be dictating to third party developers how they choose to let people have upgrades to to previous gen versions of games. I don't know. Yeah, as I said before, as I said before, and as I say again, I can't wait for this to win Game of the Year awards. It doesn't deserve. Um, so, onto the kind of centerpiece, the thing that was the most heavily promoted thing going into State of Play, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did Did anyone else think that there was just a little bit too much focus put on Deathloop? Yeah. Like to like to a Guardians of the Galaxy during the Square Enix presents. Levels. Yes, very yeah. similar levels of... But although, I will say, to Sony's credit, to an extent, they did make that clear going into the presentation that Deathloop was the primary part of this and was going to take up quite a large chunk of the presentation. So at least expectations were set going in. Hmm. Um, and clearly, whether it, whether it's because Microsoft have bought Bethesda 
that Sony are pushing this so hard as a sort of like middle finger to Microsoft or whether because Sony has spent a lot of money on this exclusivity, they're really pushing it quite hard. Um, although I am still interested in it as a game. And I have enjoyed at least some of Arcane's previous games, so I'm, I have faith that it will be... It's both an interesting premise, it's got a... It's got a fairly interesting aesthetic, it's not like your, your standard gritty, realistic shooter. It's got kind of a sort of... I don't know, like a kind of quirky, almost sort of 60s vibe to it, which I quite enjoy. Uh, it's got kind of it's got a very different central mechanic with the whole time rewinding, undoing, single day like Majora's Mask style thing going on for it. I think the time loop mechanic will be interesting. How they how they implement mm. it and execute it, definitely. Conversely. Where... <laughs> Sorry. Conversely, the more I see of this game, the less I'm interested. Um, I said this before, actually. Um, I think I said this when we did E3, the E3 special. Um, when it was first announced, I was like, this looks great and it's so up my street. And then E3, they showed more and I was like, I am now less interested in it. And now I've seen even more, I'm even less interested in it. Um, it's one mean, of those... on, the, on, on the positive side, though, at least it's saved you buying a game that ultimately you're not interested in. You've decided you're not interested in. True, true, true. That is very true. Um, but, yeah, I just, like, I was so bored during that segment. It just went on a little bit too long for me. And I came away from it just thinking, I'm so much less interested in this game than when I came in. Uh, which I know is a personal thing, and I know is just me. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a weird way to come away from yeah, a trailer. It felt like the whole presentation needed a one last thing right at the end that it just didn't have. Yeah. Just to kind of end on a real high, like an exciting... Because definitely, you know, even if you're really interested in Deathly and you really want to buy it and you sat through that 15 minutes or whatever it was that they spent on Deathly, it was still very much a known entity Mm. and i felt like the presentation just needed something at the end to go and here's this surprise that is coming from a third party developer because clearly this was a third party based presentation so there weren't any first party announcements made in it but yeah it just felt like there could have been a little surprise at the end or something that just didn't come it didn't even need to be anything big like Obviously, like, the, the really big one they could have done is, like, Final Fantasy sixteen. Like, that would have just blown the fucking lid off this entire state of play. Like, just something small. Like, even if they said, we're going to do a we're gonna do a remaster of Medieval 2. Which wouldn't set the entire world alight, but it would make... But it would be a kind of nice little, oh, that's something new we didn't know about. Um, because you're right, a lot of this stuff was pre-existing that we knew about it. And the and stuff in it that wasn't pre-existing that we knew about didn't look very good. <laughs> um, for the most part. Um, it just ended in such a sort of like, oh, okay. 
way. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, this this is great. I want to buy this, but I already knew almost all of this, and we didn't need another fifteen minutes of it. Hmm. Precisely. Because, like, it, it, is it me? But like, I, I thought that the Deathloop trailer showed a lot of the stuff we've seen before. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It did, and I think at this point, I think people already know whether or not they want and are interested in Deathloop without another fifteen minutes of it being shown. Hmm. But there we are. But that was state of play. It was a choice. Yeah, um, yeah it was underwhelming. Well, yeah. I do want to say, though, Arcade Ageddon, I mean, that just looked like absolute chaos. And I'm not sure if it's in a good way or a bad way. <laughs> that, I mean, I guess that's up to you. Um, but it was a, it, it was a choice, Arcade Ageddon. Um, it was good to have something that chaotic in there because Moss was quite sedate and Tribes of Midgard and Hunter's Arena were quite shit. So it was nice having something in the middle that was kind of interesting. Um, but as Douglas very succinctly put it, underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Overall, yeah. Easiest way of putting it. Um, but like we've got the EA thing coming up. We've got which is going to be EA. Um, I don't know what else we've got coming up, but there will be something. You've got your favourite Game Awards to look forward to at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, the Game Awards. That's going to be fun. Um, I can't imagine that being a let's shit on Jeff Keighley for an hour um, thing again. I can't imagine that being a thing we do. Um I mean, in terms of the the EA presentation, all I'm really hoping for at this point is that it's a, it's a remaster of uh, the next two Command & Conquer games. That's all I want EA to do. Just please, oh, please do that. That'd be good. That would make me so happy. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be, that'd be that'd, yeah. Because they did such a good job of the original Command & Conquer. Just don't... I've praised, I've praised EA twice in this podcast. What's wrong? Yeah, I... I, 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 I I am sending the people round to you now. <laughs> Just go with them. They'll put a little jacket on you, but don't resist. Um, so, really, I think that does it for season two, episode six. Um, it's been a couple of weeks, and um, in two weeks' time, we have Corey, I believe. Yes, yes, we do. We, we have Corey, or Nintendori, as you probably may know him. Indeed. Um, but allow me to be the first to say thank you so much, Douglas, for joining us. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's been awesome. It's my first podcast, so it's been great. Your f- as in your first podcast ever? Oh, ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've, never, I've, I've, never, I've never spoken a podcast before, so this is, this is awesome. It's a great experience. Thank you so much. No problem. Honestly, as I said, absolute pleasure. Um, and so glad that you you approached us um, when we put the call out for for guest hosts. Um, it's it, it's been a great season, and it's it's only get, it's it's just gone from great to great to great to great to great. Like every guest host so far has been fantastic, and um, you are absolutely no exception to that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you very much. And yeah, thank you for ha- having me. As I said again, yeah, thank you so much. 
Um, so I guess there's nothing further to say, but make sure you follow Callisti777 on Twitter uh, for updates on that fantastic JRPG and also cakes. Um, and, <laughs> and books. And books. Thank How you. dare I forget the books? So I just, I just, I just started cakes. How are you cakes. so talented? It's not fair. Mm. <laughs> um, there's a really good line from an anime. It's called um, Blue Period. And it's it's how they kind of emphasize the concept of talent. It's not so much I'm talented. It's just I'm, I'm probably more obsessive on these topics than a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably more obsession rather than anything else. But thank you. <laughs> but it manifests in some fantastic things. So, Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so... I guess without any further ado, once again, this has been Quiz at Play, Season 2, Episode 6. I've been your host, Ruben, and thank you to Mark for joining me, and thank you to, and thank you to Douglas for joining us as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we will see you next time.